Moats. I went with several pictures of moats to begin with. A raise of hands. What were they used for? Well, here's my answer. They were to keep the dragons out. I'm being absolutely serious about that. Though I may have made a sarcastic quip or two in the past regarding the supposed fact that they were not. I can correct a past mistake, can't I? Many a childhood has been commissioned to imagine the dragon, only to be told by historians not to carry the said belief into adulthood anymore. They were apparently used for defense and only defense, though not against dragons. Sure, hang with me a little longer and perhaps you'll see what I mean about the dragon. Oh fine, how about I just tell you about them now? Dragons are spiritual entities, more specifically, seraphim angels. Wastelands of the Seraphim happens to be the very first paper I wrote announcing the Millennial Kingdom had physically come and gone, and I think it was the first presentation I gave as well. I am convinced that the living waters kept the unclean Ruakoth out, so long as they were put to their intended use. This would also be a good opportunity to refer you to my Starforts paper and the presentation I gave as well, because in that one, I bring numerous examples to show and tell all of which detail the holistic relationship between old world architecture and water. Not only were there star forts, but there were also entire star cities, as medieval maps will prove. Living water was just as important a feature as the sacred geometry. As I've already stated in other places, MK architecture, which includes star cities and fortifications as well as castles and cathedrals, appear to have been designed as vibrational frequency ecosystems, each of which were intended to provide a sense of restored harmony for the individual as well as the community. Music undoubtedly had a part to play in it. Organ, anyone? Each of these structures would have been their very own self-contained environments, representing a microcosm of the universe on a metaphysical level. That is to say, a far superior people of a spiritual intellect built these structures. It would take lesser generations to forget their use, though even that was on purpose. There's a rabbinical saying that nothing happened to the patriarchs of Bereshith, that would be Genesis, that did not later transpire among the sons of Yasharel. And to this point, they would be absolutely correct. Consider what happened to Yitchak and Rivka after the death of Abraham. Yitchak, however, removed from that country and went to Bashan, he and his possessions, and Yahuwah the ever-living prospered him. Thus the man traveled about and increased until he was very great. He also had flocks of sheep and herds of cattle and many servants, and the Philistines were envious of him. On this account, the Philistines filled with earth all the wills that the servants of his father Abraham had dug in his days. Abimelech also said to Yitchak, Go from among us, for you are much stronger than we. Paleo Bereshith, or Genesis 26, 12 through 16. Why were the Philistines filling in Abraham's wells? Canaan was experiencing a severe famine. It's not stated in this passage, but that is the context. Yitchak had intended to journey towards Mitzrayim, as his parents, Abraham and Sharaha, had in an earlier decade. But then Yahuwah once again commanded him not to leave the land of promise. The reason for that one is because Yitzhak had already been given as an ascending offering on the mountain of worship. Let's not get distracted though. Filling wells of water with shovels of earth, and in the midst of a drought no less, 
goes against all conventional instruction and wisdom. So why were they gluttons for punishment then? I'll tell you. Abraham went about digging wells and then naming them after attributes of Yahuwah Alahayam. Everyone, including their camels and flocks, dipping a bucket in a ladle into the said well would then benefit from it in more ways than one. They would learn about the very character of Yahuwah. The problem, however, is that the surrounding peoples inhabiting Canaan didn't want to pursue holiness in a covenant relationship with Yahuwah. They tolerated Abraham during his lifetime because he was greatly honored, particularly after turning the tide of war during the Battle of the Kings of the Plain against the Rephaim, but then began scrubbing any memory of his spiritual connection with Allah Hayam almost immediately after he joined his wife in a tomb. To make matters worse, Yitchak was also pursuing holiness in a covenant relationship with Yahuwah, like his father before him, and he too was prospering. The people didn't like that. How dare Yitchak live as a kingdom priest, seeking the benefit of the surrounding nations? Best to bury the wells then. That will teach him. Why not poison the skies and their food while they were at it? Continuing, so Yitchak went from there and encamped by the river Garar and remained there. Yitchak also settled and cleared out the wells of water which were dug in the time of his father Abraham and he called them by the names they were called in the days of his father. The servants of Yitchak also dug in the valley and discovered there a spring of living water. But the shepherds of Gerar contended with the shepherds of Yitchak and said, The water is ours. So he called the name of the well Strife, because they disputed with him. He therefore dug another well, and they contended about that also. So he called its name Contention. He then removed from there and dug another well, and they did not fight over it. So he called its name Room Enough, for he said, Now, Yahweh, you have given us room and made us fruitful in the land. Paleo Bereshith, or Genesis 26, 17-22 Not only did Yitchak toil to dig the wills which his father Abraham had established, thereby making them productive again, he also dug new wills. One such well was, and I quote, a spring of living water. Not that it served any such purpose, though. The nearby shepherds immediately claimed the water as theirs. Yitchak therefore gave it the name Strife. Another well dug by Yitchak succumbed to the same result, more contention. He named that one Contention. Remember that time when I told you about the water consciousness experiments? They come as a result of the life work of Dr. Masuru Emoto. The short of it is that our realm is made up of water. Lots of water. Even 60% of our own bodies are water. Well, that same water either changes its construct to beautiful crystalline shapes of the sacred nature, or shrivels up into deformed designs, based upon the energy pressed upon them. We are little creators with the ability to manifest the world around us based upon our words and emotions. There are only two prime emotions, love and fear. Whenever and wherever water is exposed to loving, benevolent, and compassionate human interaction, falling under the category of love, not fear, aesthetically pleasing molecular formations materialize in the physical realm. It didn't work out that way for Yitchak, though. The Philistines, as well as the shepherds, though the shepherds were probably Philistines, were pulling out all sorts of words from the Scrabble bag of insults. Sickening words were being offered at the spring of living water of all places. 
if you think about it, Yitchak gave names to the wells according to their literal molecular makeup. And the shepherds of Gerar contended with Yitchak shepherds, saying, The water is ours. And it was the will of heaven, and it dried. But when they returned to Yitchak, it flowed. And he called the name of the well Contention, because they had quarreled with him on account of it. And they dug another well, and they contended for it also. And it dried and did not flow again. And he called the name of it Accusation. Genesis from the Targum Jonathan 26.21-22 Regarding the wells, the Aramaic Targum includes a fascinating tidbit. After the locals quarreled over Yitchak's well, the spring of living water dried up and did not flow again. That is, unless they returned to Yitchak. I take that to mean they had to agree to live in shalom with heaven's standards of righteous living, which they ultimately decided not to do. The second well was named Accusation, the Aramaic equivalent being sitna. Sitna is a word implying hatred, but which also shares the same roots as Satan. Take a mental note of that. The spirits of the accuser is that of hate. Hasatan, it seems, or rather a Satan of the spiritual nature, was going about to the various springs of living water, causing strife and contention, changing their molecular makeup, scrubbing his story, closing shop. There is nothing new under the sun. I'm not through yet. There is more to the story. It's slightly lengthy, but totally worth your time. Here you go. Afterwards, he arose from there and went to the well of the vision. And Yahuwah, the ever-living, appeared to him that night and said, I am the Allahiah of your father Abraham. Fear not, for I am with you and will barak you and increase your race because of my servant Abraham. Then he built an altar at the place and called on the name of Yahuwah the Ever-Living. And he pitched his tent there. The servants of Yitshak dug a well. But Abimelech went to him from Gerah with his chief herdsmen and Phaacol, the general of his army. Yitshak therefore asked them, Why have you come to me when you are my enemies and have driven me from among you? And they replied, We are terribly afraid because Allah Hayam is with you. So we would say, let there now be an understanding between us and you, and let a treaty be made with you so that you will not do wrong to us. If we do not touch you, and as we have certainly done good to you, and sent you away in peace, you are now the Barak of Yahuwah, the ever-living. He therefore made them a feast, and they ate and drank, and rose up in the morning when they swore each to his brother. Then Yitshak sent them away. And they went from him in peace. In the same day also the servants of Yitchak came and informed him about the well which they had dug. And they said, We have found water. He therefore called it Satisfaction. Consequently, the name of the village by the well is called Satisfaction to this day. Paleo Bereshith 26.17-33 And now what is happening? Yitchak struck camp and headed towards the well of vision. Was this the same well that Yahuwah appeared to Hagar at? Well, anyways, Yahuwah once again appears and another promise is made. Yitshak will continually be blessed. It is then, on the very day when another well is dug, that Abimelech arrives with an entire army. What a show of force that must have been. And yet, Abimelech showed his strength of force only to confess that he was terribly afraid. There is your second prime emotion. Abimelech was the son of Abimelech. 
the father of Abimelech being a Melchizedek priest. How very far the apple had fallen from the tree. Recounting that, or rather that he had become a Melchizedek priest, is another long story. Suffice to say, the elder Abimelech had a daughter named Keturah, whom Abraham married. She gave him a child named Midian. And who was Moshe's father-in-law, Jethro, but a priest of Midian? Anywho, with all these wells being dug up and then filled with earth, Abimelech the younger was at least wise enough to make a peace treaty between himself and Yitshak, knowing that the blessing of Yahuwah derived through him. Quick reminder, there is a connection being made between Millennial Kingdom architecture and water as it pertains to scripture. This seems like just as good a moment as any to pause and reflect upon the medieval city of Lunenburg, or Lunenburg as it's known in English. It can be found in Deutschland, geographically speaking, specifically Lower Saxony, and who were the Saxons but the sons of Yitschak. I make that connection in 537, the end of Camelot. Well, with Lundberg, you can see the importance of water, particularly as they irrigated the river, I think it's called Elmenau, so as to form a peninsula of sorts. I wouldn't be in the least bit surprised if Lundberg started out with the hips of a star, already being a victim of the Wellfellers. Many of these medieval cities have the suspicious habit of losing their sacred geometry as the maps wore on. Just 50 kilometers southeast of Lundberg is Hamburg, an undeniable Starfort city. This time around, the city was built on the junction of three rivers, the Elbe to the south, the Bile to the east, and the Auster, which flows through the center of town. That's some top-notch irrigation. I could go on and on, but the point was already made in my Starfort paper, as was the significance of Hamburg. Far more important to this current discussion is the city of Milan in northern Italia. Milan is a subject in and of itself, one which I've been wanting to cover for a great long while now. It too was a Starfort city, you know, complete with rich waterways. And just look at Milan Cathedral, why don't you? Absolutely breathtaking. They tell us construction began in 1386 and that it took nearly six centuries to complete. Yeah, right. Construction officially ended in 1810. Perfect timing, though they were still adding quote-unquote final touches as late as 1965. Gotta keep up the farce, I guess. Hey, everybody. Guess what happened to Milan? I'll give you a moment to look these before and after photos over and figure it out. In the words of Joni Mitchell, they paid paradise and put up a parking lot. The water lost its usefulness, apparently. If I had to guess, the strife and contention earth movers showed face and buried the living water which the sons of Yitschak had dug up for the spiritual health of humanity, hoping that we might forget. My people have committed two sins. They have forsaken me, the spring of living water, and have dug their own cisterns, broken cisterns, that cannot hold water. Yirmiyahu or Jeremiah 2.13. I know I kind of just lobbied that Bible bomb into the room, but in the words of Joe Biden, come on, man. Could the placement have been any better timed? His story is cyclical rather than linear, and therefore repetitive in nature. They may have buried Abraham's wells, giving Yitzhak a hard time about it afterwards, but then the sons of Yashorel wore the mantle of the strife and contention people well. They too played the part. In forsaking Yahuwah, they have neglected his commands. 
in digging their own cisterns. They have chosen the traditions of men, thinking it would turn out well for them in the end. It's basically the entire theme of the Bible, in case you haven't noticed. O Yahuwah, the hope of Yashorel, all who forsake you shall be ashamed. Those who depart from me shall be written in the earth, because they have forsaken Yahuwah, the fountain of living water. Yermiyahu 17.13 Another scripture memory verse from the same book repeats the claim that Yahuwah is the fountain of living waters, but then promises that those who bury the wills will be ashamed in the end. In other news, there are probably dozens of passages which speak of the living water, not repeating them all here. You can commit to your own Bible study on that, though here is one more for the road. For the Lamb at the center of the throne will be their shepherd. He will lead them to springs of living water, and Allah will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Revelation 7.17 What is happening? Well, if I'm reading it right, the Lamb is leading the children of Yashorel to the springs of living water, just as Abraham and then afterwards Yitzhak had done. It was the shepherds of other flocks who were the contentious ones, playing the part of Satan and refusing to let their sheep partake in the living water. Don't do that. The sheep are thirsty, and the world is already enough of a famine. Just looking at all that medieval architecture, plugged up and dried of its intended use, goes to show there is no shortage of bad shepherds getting passed around.